Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Surviving My Podcast. This is episode 13. You've just tuned into Surviving My Past. A survivor podcast about my life with dissociation, anxiety, and PTSD. Join me in raising awareness and inspiring others. Are you ready? Let's rock this healing journey. Hey everybody, before we jump into the podcast for this week, I wanted to take just a minute and let you know what it's all about. This episode comes from, in part, a video that I did for a blog post over on survivingmypast.net about dissociation and dissociative disorders. As a survivor of childhood sexual abuse and narcissistic abuse, living with dissociation is something that I've had for as long as I can remember, all the way from being a child into adulthood. And it's something that I'm very passionate about, something that I focus on, I do a lot of research on, and I wanted to do a follow-up post, and of course now audio as well, where was I seven months ago to where I am now, kind of a how far did I come type of thing. So I hope that you'll enjoy it, you'll share it, you'll spread the word, and here we go. Dissociation, uh, dissociative identity disorder, dissociative disorders in general, that's kind of like where I focus a lot of my research. It's where I, it's what I'm very passionate about um, because it's something that I suffer from regularly. Um, it's part of uh, my trauma recovery. It's, it's what happened to me while I was being abused as a child. So it's something that I really try and uh, really try and learn as much as I can, educate myself through books and videos and uh, <clears throat> chats and everything else. So um, I wrote a post about six, seven months ago um, called A Day in the Life of Someone Who Dissociates. And I posted that on the blog. I also uh, posted it over on uh, The Good Men Project. And, um, you know, it got a lot of hits. And I say that not to toot my own horn, but to really just kind of emphasize how passionate I am and how grateful I am that the blog was, or that that, that post in particular, um, you know, really kind of took off because it's, I, I think it speaks to so many people and it's something that a lot of people don't really focus on um, because, you know, either we don't understand it or we just want to try and ignore it and help it, hope it goes away. Um, you know, it could be any number of things. Um, you know, as I said from the beginning, before I started um, working with a professional, I had no idea what dissociation was. Like, I, I didn't even know it was a thing um, until I started seeing, uh, you know, as I said, a therapist. And she was like, you know, you are dissociating and you dissociated when you were being abused. And I'm like, what the hell is that? So I was doing some research and we did some workbooks and some worksheets. And, you know, over time, over the last couple of years, I've really come to understand it and um, really get involved and kind of behind this because it affects so many people, whether you're a survivor or not. Um, as in the case with me being a survivor of childhood sexual abuse and narcissistic abuse and bullying, uh, dissociation affects me a great deal in my daily life now and of course back when the trauma was happening then so this post is going to be a follow-up to that article um, I'll also likely write a post which will be included with this which you'll find on the blog uh, maybe I'll post it over on the good man project too we'll have to see but basically I thought this would be a good follow-up as to where am I now after six seven months or so of writing that post and how far have I come how far do I still have to go and the answer is, um, in short, I do still suffer from dissociation. I probably always will. It's not something that's just going to go away or something that I'm going to, quote unquote, get over. I really hate get over um, because that just, you know, I think it minimizes whatever you happen to be going through. So 
more uh, positively deal with or be able to overcome is a better way to say it, um, dissociation, because it's something that's going to be with me probably for the rest of my life. Um, I've talked to many survivors who have, you know, been through all different types of abuse, be it, uh, you know, sexual abuse, domestic abuse, uh, trafficked, abandoned, starved, sold, whatever the case may be. And they all still suffer from dissociation as well. And so what I'll do is give you some examples that are rarely, that are probably very similar to what I wrote about before. And actually, I know they're very similar. Um, and we'll kind of see what, what the differences are, if any. So one of the first places that I dissociated originally was obviously during my abuse when it happened. Um, you know, many times people um, uh, recall them being able to kind of see themselves having like an out-of-body experience where they're actually looking down at themselves because their mind took them away to save them from the trauma because they knew that they couldn't handle it at the time. So it's almost like you're looking down at yourself being abused and you're kind of like being like a third party. Um, I noticed that, you know, during my flashbacks that really became apparent to me because I could see myself oftentimes in the middle of being abused or in the middle of being bullied or invalidated by my mother or whatever the case may be. And I could see myself literally not being fully present, like looking at myself, as I said, looking down from like the ceiling or up above. So that's something that happened during that time. And of course it's carried over in different ways now that I'm older. Um, <clears throat> One of the biggest places that I dissociated before, and I say before as in before I even knew what dissociation was, and afterwards still, is in the shower. Um, that's a very common place to dissociate. I've talked to many people um, who, who experienced uh, dissociation while they're in the shower, um, and, and it's just something that happens. Uh, if I don't take proactive steps every time I get a shower, I'm more often than not going to dissociate. Um, it just happens, you know, I'll be standing there and you know, washing my hair or whatever, and I'll zone out into Neverland, into oblivion, or I'll have a flashback. That's a big one there in the shower is a flashback um, of, you know, what happened. And I'll end up, it could last, you know, 20, 30 seconds, could be several minutes. Um, I've had them last as long in the shower as 10, 12 minutes. Um, and you really just kind of lose track of time as you go into a zone of a flashback or just into a zone of nothing. And then you, um, you know, randomly snap back either because you just do um, or because maybe <clears throat> the water got cold, which is a good way to snap back when you're getting a hot shower and all of a sudden it's freezing freaking cold water. Um, but, um, you know, so some things that I do to counteract that would be to play music, to sing along to the music, to, and I trust me, I do not have a good voice, so it's not a good thing, but it helps me, so... <laughs> Um, you know, to sing along to the music, to say the words, uh, to listen to a podcast, um, to sometimes play uh, a metronome app on my phone. You know, the the rhythmic constant tap, tap, tap is something you can focus on to kind of help keep you fully present. Um, pretty much the only time that I don't dissociate in the shower on a regular basis would be if I'm in a real hurry. And that would be, you know, I'm running late because I hit snooze too many times and now I'm like, holy crap, I got to rush in. So it's like, hurry up and wash your hair and get out. Those times I don't usually have time to associate, so it's kind of a double-edged sword. It's a good thing and a bad thing because I hate being rushed in the morning because I'm not a morning person at all. So <clears throat> that would be, you know, um, taking positive steps, proactive steps to, to keep myself fully present in that environment helps curb those, but it doesn't stop them. It just helps me deal with them more efficiently. Uh, another place would be while driving. 
Um, I still dissociate while I drive, mostly long trips. You know, when you're kind of driving along, the windows are up, and it's very quiet, and it's just like you're driving, you're seeing the same thing over and over, tree after tree after tree, the occasional car, and you just kind of zone out, and then you realize, hey, what, you know, what the hell just happened to the last few miles? Um, very common, happens a lot. So I have to take proactive steps when I'm driving long distances to stay fully present. So that could be uh, <clears throat> listening to a podcast or uh, recording a mobile music uh, podcast for the blog. Uh, listening to music is obviously a big thing, but um, even that doesn't always help because especially if I know the songs, then it's kind of like, well, you know, then then you kind of go into a zone of, I know this song, I've heard this song a thousand times. Even, even if it's a great song, like rock and roll all night, I've heard it literally thousands of times. And when you hear something for so often, your mind just kind of can sometimes go blank and you zone out. Um, so, you know, I'll make an effort to create a playlist of new album that I haven't heard yet or songs I haven't heard in a long time. Or I will make an effort to uh, talk to somebody hands-free to occupy myself while I'm driving and keep myself fully present. So those are some things that I can do. Um, <clears throat> back when I smoked, which I don't advocate smoking because I quit and because we all know it's bad for you. But back when I smoked, I didn't dissociate much because I was concentrating on smoking. So that's not really something you should do, but it's something that I did. That And, and, and since I've quit smoking and vaping, it um, you know, kind of makes the problem even worse. But uh, that's definitely, I, I would rather dissociate than smoke. So. Uh, but let's move on because that was a little bit of a tangent. Um, what else? Oh, dissociating at work. I still do that as well. I mentioned that before. Uh, sometimes if I'm on a conference call and I'm not actively engaged, I'm just kind of listening. Um, I can easily dissociate because I am sitting there pretty much just uh, listening and not much is going on that I have to participate in. So I'll just kind of do one of these things or one of these things before I know it, I've lost track of a few minutes. Um, and you know, that happens also too, in the case of, you know, if I'm reading a really long email or I'm, um, you know, that uh, perhaps, you know, whether it directly involves me or not, I have to stay fully present and focused on reading this email and I'll get to reading more in a minute, but I can dissociate, um, just at, at the drop of a hat. So even when I'm seemed, seemingly fully engaged with reading, other ways my mind is kind of going off into never, never land um, because my mind is always going 100 miles an hour in 100 different directions. So so when I try and fully focus and be laser focused and concentrate on something, I, can, I, I still have to work so hard at it. And even then, sometimes I still dissociate. So it's an ongoing battle against something that I probably always have. So, you know, I have to really work on being fully present, you know, uh, putting my hands, um, feeling my hands, my fingers on the arm of the chair, feeling my feet on the floor, doing some meditative breathing, uh, focusing on my breathing, on the breath. That helps me stay fully present, especially on conference calls. Um, same thing happens at home. If I'm watching TV, I can very easily dissociate. You know, you zone out watching a show or a movie. Um, sometimes um, when I'm walking, I'll dissociate. And that's, um, you know, again, as beautiful it is outside with the breeze and the fresh air and the trees and the, and the birds singing and all that, um, you know, you have to really focus, force yourself to pay attention to that stuff so you can be fully present so you don't dissociate and lose track of time. A um, couple other examples. Uh, let's see. Um, while I'm writing, I dissociate at times when I'm writing. And I mentioned this before. Which again, you know, like I'm actively got, you know, my fingers are moving. I, I'm engaging my brain. My eyes are focusing on the screen. 
And, you know, sometimes when I'm writing, I'll be like typing away, typing away, and I'll like lose track of time for a few seconds or a couple of minutes. I'll have to go back and be like, what the hell did I just write? And I'll, and I'll look at it and it'll be full of typos and errors and it'll be off on a tangent into some completely off topic thing that I'll have to go back and fix. Um, it does happen, you know, as I said that way. And, uh, it can be very disconcerting and frustrating because I, you know, you feel like you're fully present, but your mind still is letting you know that you have things to work on. And it's your mind is letting you know that you need to be fully con fully engaged and being fully present all the time. And it is a never ending job and it can be exhausting and frustrating, but it's something that if I want to appreciate life and my daily existence and get a, and get everything that I can out of every day, whether it's a task or it's just walking around outside doing nothing, whatever it is, I have to be fully present and work on being fully present and concentrate on that. So you don't really give your chance, get a chance to give your mind a break too much. Um, what else? Let me see. Oh, reading. That, that, that's a big one. Then I'll finish up with that. Reading. Unbelievably frustrating when you're reading to have to, we know, to dissociate. You have to go back and read the same page again, the same paragraph again, the same chapter again, over and over. Because, you know, I'm actively focusing on, on you know, my book. And so I'm using my mind, I'm using my sight, and I, I still find myself dissociating and going into Never Never Land and I have to, you know, go back and reread something. And it, it is like, it takes me forever. And I mean forever to read a book. And it's, it's something that I love to do because I love to read and I wish I could read faster, but what I really need to do is read more efficiently. But dissociation really kind of makes that very difficult. So, um, you know, of all the books that I've read since I started my, my healing journey, um, there are so many parts of those that I have to go back and reference because I forget. And I have to reread them or, you know, it's just, and it's, it's just, it's disheartening and it's just a big pain in the ass to be quite honest with you. But some things that I can do while I'm reading is to, um, take frequent breaks, read for 20 minutes and then walk around for five minutes. Um, you know, while I'm reading, maybe tap my fingers on the back of the Kindle or tap my fingers on my leg or, you know, maybe, um, you know, if Mia, uh, which is right there, actually right over there. No, that way there, there, she's back there. I can't do this when the camera's looking at me because I'm like, where is she? But sometimes if the cat's laying there with me, uh, Spooks or Mia, you know, just pet them all. And then that kind of keeps that, you know, the sense of touch engaged and, you know, listening to them purr that, you know, keeps my ears engaged. So things to keep me fully present while still reading the book. I mean, that helps me. It may or may not help you, but that's something that definitely helps me. So, um, you know, I guess what I'm getting at is that dissociation is something that, you can more efficiently learn to deal with, but you don't get over it. You don't, I'm going to say completely heal from it, so to speak, but you can deal with it in a more positive, um, kind way to yourself because you can learn to, you know, use grounding skills and be fully present and do meditative breathing and DBT skills and, you know, take breaks in between a task, um, you know, Take proactive steps if you're going to be driving a long time to set up different playlists to keep yourself occupied or bring a passenger with you to talk and pass the time. Those are things that you can definitely do to help. Um, those are things that I do all the time and I'm constantly doing research. I'm trying to learn as much as I can to understand it because, um, you know, it's something that's going to be a part of my life, as I said, for probably forever. And that's just kind of the way it is. But, um, you know, if you guys have suggestions, comments, techniques, thoughts, 
Either way, I would love to hear about it in the comments. Send me an email. There's a contact form on on the blog uh, that you can send me anytime. Uh, contact or uh, comment in the video. Hit me up on Twitter. It would be excellent because I this is really fascinating to me, and it's something that speaks that is kind of really personal to me because I deal with it all the time, as I know so many of you do as well. So um, I'm going to wrap this up now. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Maybe you found some some validation, some encouragement some relief that you're not alone. Um, so I would encourage you to do your own research on dissociation, um, you know, and um, share your own techniques uh, with other people because we're all in this together. And the more we can share, the more we can efficiently heal. Thanks again for listening to another episode of Surviving My Podcast, presented by survivingmypast.net, therapy blog about living with dissociation, anxiety, and PTSD as a result of childhood sexual abuse and narcissistic abuse and bullying. My opinions are my own, and my stories are my own thoughts and my life as I live it today. I am not a medical doctor or a medical professional or a mental health professional or doctor. I'm just a regular guy trying to share my experiences in life and helping to inspire others. You can contact me anytime by emailing me at matt at survivingmypast.net, or you can hit me up on Twitter at survivingmypast or on facebook.com slash survivingmypast. See you soon.